It's the More Than Medicine Podcast with Dr. Chung. Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the More Than Medicine Podcast. Today's episode returns to the first topic of the NMMM model, nutrition, uh, and in particular we'll be discussing the topic of supplements. Before we go into today's episode, a quick disclaimer, all of the information within this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes and is of a general nature. So if you have any specific issues, please discuss this with your general practitioner to see if it applies to your situation. So let's recap quickly the NMMM model. In particular, we're going to start with N for nutrition. Nutrition stands for the knowledge, the habits, and the psychology behind the food and drink choices that you make throughout the day. In particular, this could be something like minimizing the amount of junk food in your pantry so that you're less tempted when uh, you're feeling a bit tired or a bit peckish. Secondly, M for movement. Movement means regular, consistent movement or exercise, and in particular, making it something that is enjoyable so you're more likely to do this regularly. The second M stands for mindset, and mindset is around how you see the world, and in particular, how you deal with situations that come your way. This was highlighted in uh, the episode on mindset, where we discussed how two different people can see the same problem in a very different way, and that affects the way they feel about the world as well. The final M stands for motivation. Motivation is the driving force behind why you do certain things. And in particular, trying to focus more on macro or large long-term motivations rather than micro or short-term motivations. So let's go on to today's topic, which is supplements. Supplements are those tablets, powders, elixirs that you see at the chemist or the health food store often promising better energy levels, sleep, and general well-being, amongst a host of other things. And this is a very big industry. In fact, it spans to several billion dollars a year, and that's just in Australia. The key thing about these supplements is that they are not a replacement for the basics. So really the NMMM model. If you're not eating a varied diet, you're not drinking enough water, and you're not doing some form of physical activity most days of the week, it doesn't matter how many supplements you're taking, you're still not going to be feeling very good. In fact, a lot of the supplements are purely there as a marketing device, and they don't have a lot of evidence. And to be honest, they can be quite a waste of time and money that could be spent on better things. However, in today's episode, I will try to go through a few of the common supplements that I actually recommend to my patients and that I do believe has a level of evidence as well as effectiveness to try and improve a few areas in people's lives. I often recommend to people when they ask me about a particular supplement or something that they heard on the radio that as long as it's not going to cause any harm, It is worth giving it a go, but what you want to do is you want to approach it in the same way you would approach a science experiment on yourself. So that would mean taking it regularly for a period of time, usually at least two, maybe four weeks, 
and then stopping it after that to see if you feel any different. And then the final step would actually be to start it again after a one or two week break to see if there is an improvement in the symptom that you're looking at. If you do this, you're much less likely to blindly take something for a period of time and spend lots of, lots of money on it without really knowing if it's making any difference to your general health. So the first supplement that I'm going to talk about is one called vitamin D. And I think that it is probably the safest and quite a helpful vitamin to take in the vast majority of cases. Vitamin D is created mainly through exposure to sunlight onto skin. And so this can be a big problem, especially during the winter months. So I tell most of my patients that you're just giving yourself a little bit of insurance by taking one vitamin D capsule a day. Usually the dose is 1000 international units or 25 micrograms. And if you do this, especially through the winter months, you're much less likely to have a big dip of vitamin D. Vitamin D is mostly important in bone and uh, muscle health. Uh, In particular, very low vitamin D can be associated with weakening of bones and in very severe cases, a condition called rickets where your bones grow in an abnormal manner and you're at a higher risk of broken bones or fractures. Furthermore, I also think that vitamin D does have some role to play in mood and it kind of makes sense. People tend to feel a bit more flat during the winter months due to less sunlight. And on the flip side, most people tend to feel better when they're out in the sun, particularly on a sunny holiday. And I suspect that the spike in vitamin D may have a small role to play in this. Now, once again, as I said before, all supplements are just that, a supplement. They're not going to fix everything, but they may give you that extra 1% to 5% that gets you through the day a little bit more effectively. The second supplement that I'd like to discuss is fish oil. Now, this also encompasses other forms of marine oil. Things like krill oil, for example, would be lumped under the same group. There is some evidence that taking enough fish oil can be quite beneficial to mood. And this is because fish oil contains essential fatty acids, in particular, two types, one called EPA and the other called DHA. Now, the evidence shows that the EPA in particular can be quite beneficial for stabilizing mood. And if you think about what the brain is made of, which is essentially a lot of fat, it kind of makes sense that having these essential fatty acids can potentially stabilize some of the things going on within your brain. And as a consequence, allow you to have a more level head throughout the day. Now, what dose should you be taking? This is where you may need to do a little bit more research when you're buying your supplement from the chemist. The evidence from studies say that you'll need at least 1,000 milligrams of EPA a day for it to be useful. Now, if you're having EPA in uh, other forms of food, particularly fresh fish or you know those sorts of things, uh, that's going to be included within your daily intake. 
But for most people, this is gonna be somewhere between three to even six capsules of the standard uh, fish oil that you get from the pharmacy. So it can be quite a lot. And uh, some people do experience a little bit of reflux or st stomach upset with this. Uh, so just sort of start slow, don't go straight up to the full dose. And as I mentioned at the start of this episode, give this a good trial for at least four to six weeks of consistent continuous use and take a bit of a note as to how your mood and how you're generally feeling. And if there is a bit of a difference, then you can probably keep going. If not, stop it and see if there was a change from being on it versus without. The next supplement that I'd like to talk about is iron. Iron is a very important nutrient found in a lot of different foods and important for a lot of reasons, including red blood cell production, uh, skin, as well as nail and hair, uh, amongst other things. People who are low in iron can often feel very tired and can have difficulty with um, concentration. Um, they also have a very interesting symptom if you're very, very iron deficient, where you have a craving for chewing on ice. So if you're doing that, maybe you should get your iron uh, levels checked by your GP. Now, uh, it's important that if you do suspect this, that you should probably get a blood test done to actually confirm what your iron levels are like before you decide to just start taking iron. Iron, as I said, is found in food. Uh, in particular, it's rich in things like red meat uh, and also in green leafy vegetables, although not to a high level like red meat. Uh, the other thing that's worth noting is that a common breakfast cereal, Wheat Bix, has quite a high level of iron compared to other breakfast cereals, so something to consider in the morning. When it comes to iron supplements, there is unfortunately quite a lot of misinformation uh, in both chemists and pharmacies, and especially if you are low in iron, and this is particularly common in women of childbearing age and also pregnant women, you're going to need a lot more iron than some of these supplements purport to give you. For example, a common iron supplement that you can get from the supermarket may give you between 10 to 20 milligrams of iron daily. Out of that, you may absorb half or even less than half. And your average daily requirement as a pregnant woman is around 27 milligrams of iron. So you're not really getting close to that level. And if you're iron deficient, you'll probably want more than the amount that you're normally getting to make up your stores. So what you really want is a specific iron supplement that has at least 50, if not 100 milligrams of elemental iron. It's important to look that up and see what the elemental iron is because that's what your body's actually needing and absorbing. The rest of it are things that are compounded or mixed with the iron for your body to absorb. Another couple of things that are worth noting with iron is that it's best to have it on an empty stomach and if possible with something that's a bit acidic, for example, some orange juice or a vitamin C tablet. And some of the things on the market already have that combined with it. One of the most common issues I hear from patients regarding iron are the side effects. And to be honest, they can be quite severe. The most common side effects include an upset stomach, maybe some nausea, constipation, 
and also important to know that it can change the color of your bowel motions. So don't get too concerned if it starts to become dark or even green in color. One way around the issues of these side effects is having it with some food. Yep, even though it's better with an empty stomach, sometimes it's better to have it with food at least so you can tolerate it. The other option is to take it every second day. And there are some ways, in some ways, it's actually better absorbed if taken every second day rather than once daily. Finally, it's important to know what food and drink to avoid with your iron supplements. This can include things like dairy foods, as well as anything with caffeine in it, so tea and coffee, as these can impair how well you absorb your iron. So that's enough for supplements today. There may be another episode in the future covering a few different supplements that I haven't talked about today, but hopefully you've learned a little bit about vitamin D, fish oil, and iron supplements, what to look for and look out for, and how they may benefit you. As always, please speak with your regular doctor before you make any big changes in your life. Um, All of this advice is quite general and it's important to cater it to your own specific health situation and your own health conditions. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the More Than Medicine podcast and I hope to see you next time. And always, take care. It's the More Than Medicine podcast with Dr. Chuck.